The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Excuse me. Are you Canadian? Me too, eh? Uh, sorry to bother you. Have you seen my friend? He's about uh, his boot. Stay away from me, or I'll cut you. Such a passive people after all. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, September 16, 2021. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Canada's September 20th election is only days away, and it appears we may be witnessing a phenomenon never before seen in Canada. I'm pleased to be joined in studio today by London West People's Party of Canada candidate Mike McMullen. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Bob. It's uh, great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, and we'll talk about the election and much more right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform, and visit us at justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Now, I should make it clear up front that Mike McMullen is the PPC candidate in my riding of London West, and that both my sister Liz and my daughter Danielle are officially working with Mike on his campaign team in this election to be held on September 20. And though not in any official capacity, all of us were already supportive of the PPC in the last election. And of course, Just Right Media attended and recorded the PPC convention in Gatineau, Quebec, when Robert Vaughn and myself found ourselves being treated like royalty by all the incredible folks attending. And what a crowd that was, wasn't it, Mike? Absolutely. It was a fantastic event. Yes, it certainly was. And talk about a, a crowd that was totally made up of the opposite kind of people the mainstream media kept trying to push on everybody, right? Absolutely. And I should let you know, too, I already voted for you in the advance polls. <laughs> well, thanks, Bob. Which will be closed by the time this show airs. And it, it was a surrealistic experience. I was the only voter there, didn't wear a mask, but I was asked if I wanted one and if I wanted to sign some kind of COVID tracking attendance sheet that they had there. Have you seen those? No. Uh, oh. <laughs> And I said no, politely, and then they, they, they were fine with that. I proceeded to cast my vote. Everyone else, all four or five of them, were wearing masks, and, you know, they had placed those social distance markings on the floor. <laughs> but the surrealism about it was to see just how m so many in the public have succumbed to what may be the very issue that defines this election. I mean, here we are talking about having to, you know, we, can, we have to wear a mask or get double vaxxed just to participate in the election, when that is almost what the election's about. Well, yeah, I mean, it's certainly uh, one of the key things voters are, are voting for is they're tired of the lockdowns, they're tired of the mask mandates, they're tired of the vaccination mandates, um, they're tired of being abused by, by their employers, uh, they're tired of losing their jobs and their businesses, and it doesn't matter which side of the government you're on, they're all pushing the same agenda. So the PPC is the only party that's pushing freedom. 
you know, all various types of freedom, freedom of conscience, freedom of uh, religion, to be able to dissent from the, the mainstream media, uh, freedom to live your lives in peace and freedom to speak and to say whatever you feel. Well, we just generally call that all freedom because you don't have to define every action you take in freedom. Absolutely. You know, basically, the way we've always looked at it is freedom is the absence of coercion by another person. And once you have that condition, you've got a free society. Absolutely. And that's one of the values that Canada was founded on. And it's one of the reasons many people came to Canada was for freedom. You know, a lot of people fled tyrannical countries like China or Venezuela, just to name a couple, to come to Canada so that they could live their life uh, in peace and free. Now, when I last spoke to you on the phone, you had just come out of the Aeolian Hall, and you had an experience there, and it sounded like a, a learning experience that maybe some people might like to hear about. Yeah, it was an interesting situation. So I went to Aeolian Hall uh, for my debate, and then um, they asked me if I had a mask, and I said no. And then they asked me if I was double-faxed, and I said it was none of their business, what my medical records or history shows. He said that uh, he was the authority, and I said, who, who gave you that authority? And then he said the chief medical officer, and then I asked who that was, and he he said, well, he didn't really know. So I said, so you guys are making the rules up at this facility yourself. You're basically using your initiative and, and you're doing it. Nobody gave you an order. This is your company that's doing it. So um, anyways, we got into a big argument. It went back and forth. He went back into the building called the police. There was about 12 police. Called the police? Yeah, he called the police. There was probably somewhere between 10 and 12 uh, police officers there. I saw several cruisers uh, show up. Um, so then... All of these police just in response to this call? In response to this call. Uh, why can't we get service like that if there's a crime or a rape or a murder or something like that going on? We never we never see it there, do we? Yeah, it's interesting that... Very rarely. It's very rare. Yeah. It's very rare. But it's very interesting that he tried to use law enforcement as a form of intimidation against me. Someone who's perfectly healthy and, and doesn't have COVID. So the conversation went on I, and he was pointing his finger at me uh, when he was standing with a group of police officers. So I walked over and I said, what are you pointing at? And he says, I'm pointing at you. You broke our rules. You're not double vaccinated. It says in our rules, you got to be double vaccinated. I said, no, it doesn't. Well, it says that in your rules, but it also says that uh, if I provide a PCR test, that would be acceptable. So after all this drama and everything else, I pulled out my PCR test, which I had just got 30 minutes before the debate. I got the PCR test and I drove right to the debate. I put it down on the table and I said, look, I'm, this is a negative test. I'm safer than probably everybody in this room right now. Do you realize just because you're double vaxxed, you, you, you can still catch it and you can still spread it? Right. Where's your PCR test? How do I know you're not going to give me COVID? Maybe you're typhoid Mary. Well, you know what you're doing? You're, you're following an old maxim that we preach about on this show a lot. And it basically says, question authority before authority questions you. And that is a powerful retort to someone. A lot of people who think they're acting in authority are just shocked when someone challenges them and just says no or says, why? Or says what? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, like, <laughs> and it's uh, it, it, you know, I, I find it fascinating that uh, you have people like this who behave like a fascist, right? And then turn around and call me the fascist because I just want to live my life uh, in peace and be free. And you know, I don't hate anybody. I love everybody. Yeah, and again, it comes back to the very issue that's in the election and the party you represent. It's absolutely amazing. Now, I understand Mark Emery got into the Aeolian Hall without a, any sort of vaccine or proof of negative whatever the test is. Nonsense. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's what happened there? That was later after you when already established a precedent in a way. Yeah, so um, 
you know, and, and I talked to the police, and Buddy was there, and I talked to all the, the 10 police officers that were there, and they just looked at me and said, Mike, we're not going to do anything. You go to your debate. So the police were already basically, you know, they, they, they probably looked at the guy going, what the, what the hell would you call the police for? Well, you know, that, that might lead into my next issue. We're seeing a lot of people in authority, like the police, no longer seeming to follow the direct orders of the political masters. And in fact, I've noticed a huge change in the, in the whole zeitgeist of this election. Suddenly the PPC is all over the front pages of our mainstream media. You know, when the standard practice by them is to simply ignore and deny the very existence of the party, right? <laughs> and... I can see what they're doing. I got a copy of the September 9th London Free Press in my hand here, and there's Mark Emery on the front page. Huge splash picture, waving at cars going by and holding a sign up. And as soon as I saw that picture, I said, okay, something big has changed. Something big is happening. And all of a sudden, the PPC is gaining the attention of the, of the mainstream media, who obviously hates their guts. <laughs> I just have to quote this to you, Mike. This is amazing stuff. The headline says, Giving disparate, angry people an increasingly aggressive voice. And they're talking about online and in-person protests. <laughs> Listen to this description. The crowd of extreme right-wing conservatives, neo-Nazis, white nationalists, anti-vaxxers, conspiracy theory believers, and fundamentalist Christians now has a political party to give it one voice, researchers say. Oh my God, I just couldn't believe it when I read that. <laughs> and this professor, Daniel Beland, director of the McGill Institute for the Study of Canada, is quoted as saying, The pandemic is being used quite cleverly from a strategic standpoint by Maxime Bernier and his People's Party of Canada. They have been surfing on the wave of the pandemic and people skeptical about public health measures and now vaccine passports to really distinguish themselves from the other parties, Beland says. The PPC is a magnet for people who share views that are often outside the mainstream. That is just amazing. You couldn't buy better advertising than that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely ridiculous how, the, uh, how our government and how some of these left-wing uh, reporters, I, I'm just going to call them left-wing socialists, I don't, I don't know what they are, but uh, they have no problem with lying. Uh, they have no problem with uh, uh, just open discrimination. Um, and then, you know, after they lie, they use whatever lies they made up about us as an excuse for their outrage. And uh, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really sad, actually, um, what's happened to this country where we can't really have this open discussion, this open conversation, um, share our differences and ideas and stuff. And that's how I grew up. I mean, we all, we all learn uh, by sharing stuff. And I actually learn more from disagreements than I do, like, actual conversation yeah you have to have an open conversation than i do from just blind acceptance of course right and it's unfortunately with the left uh, the media spends billions and billions of dollars uh, just uh, pumping this stuff out and it's just really unfortunate to see that so many canadians have bought into it bought into the lies well it certainly seems that there's a trend changing towards the ppc and uh, i'll talk to you more about it right after the next break which actually features ppc candidate out in saskatchewan mark friesen talking to Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson on her September 9th show, and he's seeing a complete change in the environment and what he's stepping into. And we'll listen into that for a bit, and then we'll return with our conversation with Mike McMullen, PPC candidate, London West. And I am so excited because he is running a an incredible campaign for the People's Party of Canada. Good to see you, Mark. You look great, Mark. You look 
like the coolest PPC guy ever. You look so great. How's it going? <laughs> tell me about tell me about how how the the campaign is. It's overwhelming, Lauren. Me and you went through an experience in 2019 that yeah. wasn't the great. Um, right. I can tell you this is exponentially different. The amount of support uh, is is really overwhelming, to be honest with you. It's um, donations are, are flooding in. I can run an actual effective campaign. I got huge billboards. I got signs everywhere. I got radio interviews, um, radio spots, advertising, you name it. Um, and, and it's just, it's phenomenal. It, this purple wave is for real. I just, I just looked at a poll on 338 and they have us at 10% which is something that nobody thought we could ever attain before the election. <laughs> I, I believe it's a lot higher than that. Yeah, you bet it is. You bet it is. I mean, what are we going to do with a guy like O'Toole, who is basically the same as our Trudeau government? And if I could just run a clip of Trudeau, uh, let me show you what, what Trudeau is saying these days. And as a first step, since a number of provinces have chosen to step forward with a vaccine certification of their own, we have decided that the best way to do that is to work with each of them so that they are reasonably standardized across the country and so that there is a federal certification on that that will be accepted for international travel. It is an interim measure, perhaps will last a year or so, um, before we bring in the formalized passport version of it. This, this passport issue, Mark, has become what everybody cares about and we have O'Toole who's basically in support of it. Yep. Trudeau himself said, I think it was last week, um, this election is is literally voting for tyranny or freedom. Those were those were his words and I'm summarizing of course but uh, paraphrasing but uh, this is this is it. This is what the election is about. It's about whether you value freedom or you you want tyranny. Let's face it, the BBC put a flag up three years ago and and the core values within that party is freedom, fairness, respect and responsibility. We've been there. We've been here from the beginning of the party till now. We knew that we stood on those core values for a reason and right now those core, core values shared by the majority of Canadians across this country are, are finally standing up to defend those values. I know we're desperate and we have got to have a party that believes in freedom. I cannot believe what is going on. I can't believe the, the, uh, the bowing that the Conservative Party, you know, I just call them the Compromise Party, the Compromise Party of Canada. Well, 100% and, and Laura Lynn, I mean, this is, this election, I just got out of a, a seniors complex presented to them that this election is about our values the values that we share across this country the values of freedom liberty justice sovereignty equality under the law prosperity and truth ask a canadian who doesn't cherish those values you won't find one for the most part and that those are the values that are under attack those are the values that we're going to unite under and that's what we're seeing 
And that's what we're seeing across the board, across the country, is people are finally starting to get it, that there's one party that represents these values and wants unity in our country to defeat our enemy, the enemy to these values. And that's every establishment party that we have. So the answer couldn't be more clear. And it's just a matter of, of getting that message out to as many people as we can in, in every riding across the board. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking to people across the country, candidates, and they're saying they've never seen anything like it. Sean Taylor out of, out of uh, uh, West Kootenai, South Okanagan, um, he hasn't seen anything like it. It's purple everywhere. Business, the whole business community in Grand Forks has his signs in their windows. Everywhere he drives, his signs are being, or conservative signs are being replaced by his. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, and it's happening everywhere. It's phenomenal. Mark, I, I saw the other day at Maxime Bernier's, um, his rallies here in British Columbia, uh, people are sometimes in tears because they're so afraid. And how are you seeing the people of Saskatchewan? Are they understanding sort of how serious this is? Has it hit home? Yeah, and Laura Lynn, I'm seeing people in tears because they're so happy there's somebody there that <laughs> represents their values. I, I come to tears on a daily basis yes. because people are affected. People are finally seeing that, wow, there's somebody that has courage and conviction that's willing to fight for the values that I cherish for my kids and my grandkids. It's incredible. I, I've never been part of anything like it. So that was a very upbeat and jubilant uh, Mark Friesen talking there to Laura Lynn, and, uh, and he seems to be experiencing a, an incredibly different phenomenon running for the PPC this time around than he did the last time. Is that the same with you? Yeah, in 2019, we were we were a new party, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the candidates, including myself, were fairly green at uh, you know at politics and and uh, you know not, not green party, not green party, <laughs> no. no, not the green party. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, they didn't do very well, and they're not doing very well now. Uh, but um, you know, trying to learn you know how to run a campaign and trying to learn uh, you know all the little there's a lot of little steps. But I was lucky because I had someone like Salim Mansur that was able to give me an incredible amount of guidance and. Uh, I watched how he ran his campaign very, very closely and carefully. And we had many discussions about uh, this kind of stuff. Mm, but interesting. We did fairly well considering the situation and, you know, and uh, my candidacy uh, happened just a few months before the election. You know, there was EDAs trying to get set up. There was just a bunch of stuff happening in the background. You know, I have to tell you, I was, of course, involved right in the middle of all of that. And I heard a lot of self-criticism being touted about by many members of the PPC, but I don't think they realized how successful and what a good job they did. Yeah. And I know this from my own personal experience dealing with a provincial party that is very much like Maxime Bernier's party, the Freedom Party of Ontario. And I'd been through the experience. I studied other small parties, including the Libertarian Party, the Communist Party. The, there were so many other offshoot parties, and I studied their history and how it worked before I even got involved in political activity and I realized from day one we're talking a huge huge task before us it's not just something that you solve in a single election because the inertia that is against you from a hundred two hundred years of history right yeah is what you're trying to push and an event like this COVID event is a 
is, is strangely an assistant in that very effort, you know? Well, somebody once said to me, Mike, that if you're going to make a mistake, make them quickly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so, you know, the problem that... is in politics, you only get a chance once every four years or every five years. So you might be around for 20 years, but you've only participated four times or five times, right? And people think that you're not in existence in mm -hmm. between those elections. That's a big handicap for new parties or new movements coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, fast forward to 2021, uh, election 44. Is it 44 or 43? Oh, you got me on that. Uh, that, that doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's um, the important one. The important one. Yeah. <laughs> the crossroad election. Right. The, the big difference uh, between last election and this election is just the overwhelming level of support that I have. I mean, within the first five days of the election, I had pretty much gathered about $15,000 in, in donations. That's remarkable. Which, really which, which was remarkable because I don't even, I only got maybe a sixth of that last time, right? The volunteers that are coming forward and putting themselves, putting, putting themselves out there to, uh, to help the campaign, I think we've reached about 65 uh, volunteers, motivated volunteers. Yeah. Volunteers that will come out and they'll door knock and they'll wave signs and stuff. Well, it's interesting. I was speaking to Mark Emery since our show last week. And at that time, he still hadn't gotten volunteers and it was just getting started, was doing it all on his own. Last time we spoke, everything's done, paid for. He's got his signs all done. He's got his volunteers. It was like a total turnaround immediately, you know, like yeah. amazing in those few days. And just, uh, you know, just in, and I, I just, I feel so proud and I feel so happy that so many people have opened their eyes and they're realizing that. I mean, just this morning I was talking to a school teacher who's uh, uh, being openly discriminated against about vaccinations and stuff. She goes, Mike, I voted for you. Mm -hmm. This is a, teacher that's been in the business for 10 15 years you know it's nice when you can kind of leave your neighborhood and people are giving you the thumbs up right when you when you walk out your door just the people honking on the corner of the streets uh just the other day on warrencliffe and commissioners i mean i there was probably 500 people honking i mean there was ambulances honking at me there was <laughs> transport trucks dump trucks uh you know pickup trucks other vehicles uh even motorcycles Right. And, uh, you know, you, and then, of course, in between 100 positive, you know, uh, and, and people from all different nationalities, too. It's incredible. Uh, Muslim woman, uh, I could see her. She was honking like she was pretty militant, militantly yeah. honking, right? Uh, well, maybe she was honking against you. You never know. Do you no, know no, that? she was. Thumbs up. She eh? gave me the thumbs up. Well, I know I know when it's a negative honk, they, they usually shoot me the finger. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that only happens like once in 100. Yeah. Well, that's, I can't really call ever having any really bad experiences in my political history and I've done a lot of door-to-door -door and done a lot of public speaking but things weren't as polarized over such narrow issues at the time yeah, right absolutely yeah and and this creating of polarization over the COVID issue the way that thing is being used as a political tool is something most people who are falling for it aren't aware of because they, they they can't even fathom that their political leaders would do stuff anything like that to them yeah i think uh, i think canadians have had it good for for quite some time and uh you know some and and many have just become complacent and and they've uh, gotten into their routine and and you know don't really don't really focus on politics and, and in some cases they don't even read the news unless it's like a headline right if they see the headline five times and it must be true right and and that's i don't even watch the news to be honest with you i don't even watch it because uh, all i gotta do is just go into a group and listen and i can tell what's happening in the oh, news. sure well i do i watch the the evil mainstream media news just to keep an eye on what they're doing because they're basically you know advertising what what they're planning 
and they think that what they're doing is great. You know, you, you made a very disturbing comment to me about your issue at the Aeolian Hall, that you said that these people really take this seriously. Well, yeah, they were... Like uh, the, the whole COVID thing and, oh, and yeah. masking. Oh, I mean, yeah, the... uh, it was, they were uh, militant, like completely militant about it. I mean, they they have no problem open openly discriminating against anyone, and it's actually really sad. It's really sad that these people, yeah, these people that call themselves the tolerant and the and, and this kind of thing are the ones that are openly discriminating against others. Right. I mean, they themselves they don't even know it. I think that they're so blind that. Uh, that they're so blind to what's actually going on that they actually think that they're virtuous and they're helping society, but all they're really doing is just dividing. And uh, these, you know, these types of people really need to to wake up and and realize that they they are becoming what they hate. It's true, and what you know, this virtue signaling was something Ayn Rand used to call basically just altruism, because altruism is putting the other ahead of you, and this is how they're pushing this on people. And even back in Nazi days, that's how people felt they were. They were being altruistic, you know? Well, I've, I've done a lot of research and a lot of history because, uh, you know, I know that uh, history can sometimes repeat itself, especially when you make it go away, when you um, tear down statues and burn books and, and censor people on social media and otherwise, and then promote uh, some sort of uh, agenda through the mainstream media. And we already know the mainstream media is all controlled by the same corporation, uh, post-media, all of it. It's all under one hat. So, I mean, the government uh, is doing a really good job at uh, trying to control the narrative, and this is a really big problem in our society. Oh, no question. Now, you have you had any censorship issues yourself? Uh, yeah, I was. I uh, had one video censored on Facebook, and it was with a Chinese media station, and we were talking about some of the issues, just a candid conversation. It was like an hour long, but that was banned on Facebook. Uh, so far... What do you think you said that got you banned? Oh, I said a lot of things. <laughs> okay. I think one of the things I said is uh, Facebook censorship. <laughs> oh, did you bring that up? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe that's what got me banned. I don't know. I don't know. I've talked about Facebook censorship on Facebook, and that's the thing they didn't censor. Wow. But if you talk about a stolen election, or if you talk about COVID or vaccines, it's just instantly you're blanketed. You get, oh, you know, learn more about vaccines, and it's just pure lie. I mean, I posted a video the other day. Uh, I didn't say anything about COVID. We were just, uh, you know, on the street waving some signs, and they put a tag under it saying this is, you know, that this is a COVID. Right. You know, be careful. So they've already labeled me as some sort of... Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, COVID denier or something like that, or whatever, whatever, the, whatever. The, they're fact checkers. Oh, vaccine deniers and stuff. I always said you can't be called a vaccine denier in this case because this thing is not a vaccine. Yeah. So there's no vaccine to be denied. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, I've just heard so many. Uh, you know, I I have no problem with vaccines. I I took a vaccine when I was younger. I, I tested. Oh, we all did at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, polio or whatever. I never took a flu shot. I just, because uh, I have a pretty good immune system, so I didn't need it. And I know my girlfriend would take a flu shot at the time, and she would, uh, she'd be sick for two weeks after that. I know so many people like that. And, uh, I mean, there was a whole movement against flu shots, you know, the bird flu and all that stuff. Because these conspiracies, if I may call it that, to push vaccines, have been going on for a long time. Now, we're just about headed to our next portion of the show and, and um, the Honorable Brian Peckford was on a talk show recently with Dr. Sam Dubay, the fifth doctor, 
And what a fascinating interview that was. And he certainly is totally on side with everything that Maxime Bernier is saying. And he just can't believe how society is collapsing. And the, the, the things that are going on now were not the intentions of the drafters of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Listen, let's listen into a bit of that right now, shall we? Hello, Dr. Sam Dubay here once again, and it is my great honor to have a very special guest with us today. He is the former premier of Newfoundland and Labrador, that being from 1979 to 1989. He is also the youngest first minister of Newfoundland for the last 150 years. He is the last surviving architect of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. This is incredibly relevant for what's going on today. I would like to welcome officially the Honorable Honorable Brian Peckford. Thank you, sir, for joining me here today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Brian, as one of the, the creators of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, what is going on today must really, really concern you. Yes, I, I have to say that I'm extremely um, saddened by, by the course of events that have happened over the last two years, the actions by provincial governments and the federal government as it relates to enacting measures that clearly violate the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. When we sat down over 17 months to patriate the Constitution and add the Charter of Rights to it, I don't think anybody thought at that time that it was possible for a government or governments of this country to do anything that would infringe upon these rights and freedoms. And here we are today with governments right across the nation enacting ver through various public health acts and, and other so-called emergency legislation, uh, provisions which uh, infringe upon freedom of assembly, freedom of association, uh, infringe upon security of the person, all of which are detailed in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And so, uh, people like me who've been involved in politics, that we really can't believe what's happening to our country. The other problem that we have is that very few leadership groups are coming out and saying what I'm saying. impending election September the 20th. Trudeau's calling it. He's our prime minister right now. He wants a majority government for the liberals. Boy, oh boy. I want to talk about Justin Trudeau and how he thinks he's able to invoke. I mean, listen to his speech, you know. Um, oh, sure, you can choose not to be vaccinated. But boy, oh boy, you're not going to be allowed to take public transportation via air and train because we won't allow the unvaccinated to put the vaccinated at risk. Wow, that makes a lot of sense, because if the vaccines actually worked, the vaccinated wouldn't be at risk in the first place. You know, I can, I, I can go on and on about that. But how is it that he feels he can circumvent or just blatantly ignore the charter? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and uh, you know, even the, most of the established parties go along with what he's saying to some degree exactly. or another. Aaron O'Toole and the leader of the uh, NDP all go along with this business of fighting the charter, as do most of the premiers. So we got to get rid of Mr. Trudeau. And Mr. O'Toole and the head of the NDP, plus all the premiers in this country, we're really going to make changes. So when you come to the election, I, I have completely sort of come full circle. So I've opted out of all of the major parties completely. And I was always part of one. 
of the three major parties. I'm not a part of any of them now. I've joined the People's Party of Canada and I'm campaigning for them because I think we've got to start from scratch. There's no good playing around at the surface. We're going to just a different branch on the tree. So now we have the red branch, then, then we'll have the blue branch. Right? There'll be no difference, no real difference. We, we've got to go, we've got to, the, the situation is so serious, we've got to fundamentally reform our whole process and system of democracy in Canada. That, that means I've got to start from scratch, support a small party that can't form the government this time around. And by the way, it's interesting, they got over 300 candidates now, well over 312 candidates. Wow. So that's really quite something. Most people think of the People's Party as having perhaps hundreds of candidates. They have over 300 confirmed. So uh, that's a really good sign. But so I think we've got to start from scratch and, and, and build up a game, which will take, you know, uh, 10 years or more. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. I'm here with Mike McMullen, PPC candidate for London West, and he just told me he had gone up to the University of Western Ontario, where they have very, very strict... COVID measures, and what did you do there? <laughs> well, I was uh, I was receiving a lot of calls from teachers and professors saying that they were about to lose their job because uh, uh, they didn't want to get uh, d- a double, double jab, and for legitimate reasons, medical reasons, and what other reasons, but I mean, it, to me, as far as I'm concerned, whatever your reason is, is a valid reason, um, and nobody really has to ask you whether it be religious or medical. And then I, I received a really long email from uh, from another teacher, and she said she wanted to go public. So I got her to write down exactly what happened in an email, and uh, we're trying to uh, trying to help. So I decided, hey, let's just go over to Western and see what everybody else thinks. So went over to Western, uh, put a table up, put up a change my mind uh, sign. Lockdowns don't work. Change my mind. Sounds like something Stephen Crowder would do. It was exactly. It was <laughs> definitely. It was taken from Stephen Stephen Crowder. Thanks, Stephen. So we, uh, we set that up right in front of Alumni Hall, and we uh, parked ourselves there, and I was just amazed about uh, how many students agreed with me. Like, I was waiting for disagreements, you know, right. change my mind situation, and just, I agree. Okay, right? And uh, just so many students, and, and so many students of all different backgrounds, too. I mean, they would just come over and just, you know, we are sick of this stuff, and I think being young is, is, is about being free. It's also about being on social media where you get more exposure to alternative points of view on these issues. And, of course, they're the ones affected the most. They're going into the job market. They've got kids to raise. And they're pretty, uh, they're pretty media savvy. Yeah. I mean, they're questioning this agenda, too. I mean, I've got people on my team now, uh, you know, as young as 17 years old, which is another surprising thing from the last election uh, where it was mostly people in my age group or boomers that were supporting the PPC. Right. This year, we've got so many young people on our team. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. And these young people are, they have so many uh, great ideas and so many great skills and so many uh, ways to... Uh, produce material in, in, in kind of an interesting way, you know, on TikTok or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And the enthusiasm that we saw at Western was great. We never got stopped. The campus police drove by three, four times. Nobody said anything to us. Uh, I did see a couple of people in suits taking pictures, but uh, that's what we're doing. That's why we're there, right? Right. Uh, we probably, out of maybe 100 people that I spoke to, it was one group of people that kind of disagreed a little bit but it was very easy to change their mind right uh, maybe they, they were talking about well you know you need to be double vax so everybody is safe and i go well does it really make everybody safe if you can be double vax and you can still catch it and spread it yeah 
And he's like, ah, you're right. And then, of course, the uh, the classical, uh, you know, very literate uh, uh, leftist uh, student uh, approached me and gave me the finger. Yeah. And that was the uh, the intellectual conversation that's, I had. With that's her. that's basically the left wing intellectuals. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all they can do. Now, are you aware of this professor, uh, Julie Ponas, I think is how you pronounce her name, who is a professor of ethics, of all things? Yeah, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. A teacher, she, was, she taught for 20 years. She taught ethics. Ethics. Yeah. Ethics. She's a major. Hello. Right. <laughs> Hello. And, uh, and they, they unethically let her go, right? My name is Julie Panessi. I am a professor of ethics at Huron College at the University of Western Ontario. My employer has just mandated that I must get a vaccine for COVID-19. If I want to keep working at my job as a professor, I have to take this vaccine. Here's my conundrum. My school employs me to be an authority on the subject of ethics. I hold a PhD in ethics and ancient philosophy. And I'm here to tell you it's ethically wrong to coerce someone to take a vaccine. If it happens to you, you don't have to do it. If you don't want a COVID vaccine, don't take one. End of discussion. It's your own business. And one of the things I was talking about is when you uh, start this open discrimination, you are hurting people. These teachers have families. These teachers, these teachers have mortgages to pay. They have food to put on the table. And basically, you're trying to destroy their lives. Not for their health, yep. but to make a point, right? And, and that is really disturbing because we already have a very big uh, homeless problem in London. We have a lot of mental illness problems in London. Uh, we've got a lot of people, uh, unemployment problem in this London. And all the Western University is doing is just adding to the problem. Well, I saw the collapse of civilization going on up there during the 10 years or so that we were doing this show from the campus, right? And we finally got kicked off for basically saying what we're saying today. Wrong speak. Wrong speak. That's exactly right. Uh, but interesting, I'm looking in same-day paper where Mark Emery was on the front page, on page two. They give like almost two-thirds of the page to this professor up at the university, and then they have a fact check. She says, the vaccine has not yet been shown to be effective. Their fact check says people who have received two doses will have better protection against both getting the virus and getting sick from the virus. This is simply not true, and it's not even possible to say such a thing. These fact checks are such open lies. They're not logical. A vaccine requires years and years to know if it's been effective, let alone ignoring the deaths and all of the horrible effects that people are having on them. I, I've, I've witnessed them over and over and over again, and for anybody to be able to write this kind of crap like this Dr. Kumamon Wilson of the Ottawa Hospital. I mean, this, this is despicable. He should be ashamed of himself. Absolutely. And the whole thing is like that. Stuff that I just know from my own research is pure BS, and that's coming from the fact checkers in a national paper. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really sad how the media uh, uh, can, can write flat-out lies and, dis, and, and mistruths and then use those lies. And, 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 you know, these lies can actually hurt people's lives, oh. right? I mean, if I, get totally. attacked, if I get attacked by somebody because of the media's lies, then who's promoting the hate? Yeah. Right? 
Exactly right. Exactly. That's what they're doing. They're promoting hatred towards me and my party and the People's Party of Canada. And they have no problem with that. I mean, the, these, uh, the NDP, the Conservatives, not, I'm not going to say all of them. Some of them are, are okay. But uh, from my experience, they're the most hateful group of people, the most uneducated and hateful group of people I have ever met in my life. It's been my experience for 40 years. And, and it's, not, it's not something new. It's been going on like that for ages. When we start, first started the Freedom Party, you wouldn't believe the trouble we had to, to go through just to get in on the all-candidates debates. don't know if you noticed, but most all-candidates debates are organized by lefties. Yeah. You know? You remember the time when uh, uh, being on the left meant you were anti-war, you were, yeah. were anti-government, you were anti-government mandates, you were pro-small government. And you were in favor of freedom of speech. And you, you were all about... I voted NDP for that reason alone when I was in my days of ignorance. But um, that was the only issue I could identify with. And sure enough, between that election and the next, they reversed their whole position on freedom of speech. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. I mean, uh, now, like that, in the era that I grew up, um, has really, really changed. I mean, there, I don't even know what they are anymore. I, it, there is... <laughs> socialists? I, yeah, they always were, you know... I, I look at it this way. The, the path they were on, there's only, there's only a polarity of left and right. Okay? There's, n there's no such thing as middle of the road or centrist. That's a myth in terms of ideology. And the left represents tyranny, the right represents freedom. That's basically it. Now, I look at it this way. It's like jumping off a cliff towards tyranny. Well, while you're still up in the air near the top, you know, things still seem to be going okay, you know, and you can still vote for them. But as, you, as the bottom approaches, which is where we're heading now, suddenly you can see that this isn't, this isn't leading in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I, I really thought in this day and age people were a little bit smarter uh, than they are. I mean, it just, it, it just seems people are so easily manipulated with mistruths that uh, oh, and, it's just shocking. And simple illogics. You must be running into this, people hitting you with the argument about the wasted vote or that you're splitting the vote. These are myths. Yeah, it is a myth. I mean, uh, how many federal parties are there in Canada now? Is it, uh, what, 15 or something like that? I well, can't remember I the number. But it would be, uh, it would, that would mean every party splitting the vote. You could, you could look at it that way, sure. Right? I mean, the NDP splitting the vote. But you know what they usually mean by that? They blame that on a party like the PPC, hmm. you see, or even Freedom Party, because we're splitting the right-wing vote, you see. We're splitting the conservative vote, which has never been true. There is no right in Canada anymore. No. It's, it's, it's like uh, 15 shades of left at this point. Um, they, they haven't discovered the right yet. The right hasn't been explained to people. They don't, they don't understand it. They don't understand it. You know why? Because the left defined the right as being fascist. Well, and it's not. Fascism is left. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's even in the name, right? If you look at yeah. National Socialist. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> but that's exactly the kind of contradictions we're dealing with constantly. Yeah. And people accept them. Yeah, and it's pretty sad. And, and I, think, I think that the establishment itself has created this type of polarization. Uh, you know, they, they create these myths of splitting the vote so that they can stay in power. Right? I mean, uh, look what happened last time uh, when, Stephen, yeah. when Stephen Herper lost the election. You know, out of fear of Stephen Herper, you got to vote for Trudeau. Mm -hmm. Out of fear of Trudeau, you got to vote for O'Toole. And, and, you know, when you vote out of fear and you don't vote for what you believe in, um, you're just going to get more fear. And the next election, it'll be the same thing. Yeah. It's called voting against instead of for. Yeah. And then if you're voting for the lesser of a given number of evils, as we say all the time, 
you're still voting for evil. Absolutely. I mean, there's no uh, less or more evil. It's evil. Okay, Brian, I got to say, though, we know that you cannot be unvaccinated. Okay, and this is a huge issue right now. You're talking about a timeline of a decade in order to revamp all the political parties and the entire government. We can't wait that long. I mean, ultimately, that's what we want. What do we do in the I, meantime? I, uh, with these parties in place, all of which more or less support some form of coercion, some form of violation of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and so on, uh, it, 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 it looks, it doesn't look, it looks quite dismal. So all of them except the PPC, right? No, I interviewed Max uh, months ago, and their platform is very clear on their website. I would encourage viewers to check out the website. You know, yeah. they're getting yeah. locked down. There you go. And I mean, this yeah. is not a promo for PPC, but when you're talking about who to vote for, um, you know, I mean, this this is this is this is who we're talking about right now because they have a true platform that is against the vaccine mandates, against vaccine passports, freedom of choice when it comes to the experimental gene therapy injections. I mean, if the only scientific claim that can be made is that these are therapies that do not prevent transmission or infection, then should it not be a personal choice if all they do is allegedly reduce some of the, the severity, some of the symptoms? Now, now where we are, I think one of the problems you've got is that when you get in so deep, you can't backtrack. Right. And I think a lot of the governments now are beginning to see through the data that they must be reading that, oh my God, we've made a big mistake here. So what are they doing? They're digging in. So right. all of these people, I mean, the lies and mistruths and, and, and misrepresentations that all of these people in, in high places have done and the poor ordinary person who doesn't read very much um, and only listens to CNN or CBC, boy, they're in some dilemma because they don't even know. I mean, we know people. They don't even know anything about a vaccine having any problem at all. And the other thing is, I think there's a lot of people out there who are afraid. Mm -hmm. They just go quiet. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are afraid to believe. They're afraid to believe that my government would let me down that much, both provincially and federally. I would say there's a good 30 to 40% of the people in Canada today who've now been exposed to enough the fear mongering has been so great. They were fearful first. They're still fearful. But now a lot of them know the difference, but will remain silent. They don't want to believe. It's too it's too tough on them. My final message would be democracy is only viable if the individual remains seized with being involved. Therefore, they've got to participate. Therefore, they've got to get involved in organizations and political parties that stand for liberty, that stand for freedom, that stand for individual rights, right? Balanced off against the group rights. But if there's an argument over the two, the individual right always supersedes, right? That's the kind of country you want to have, right? And that nation states are important. 
because they have a history and a culture and a geography that no big entity globally can ever have. So my message would be democracy only survives as long as there's active individual participation right down to the community neighborhood level. And we've got to get more engaged. If we don't, then the, the present trajectory of our system will continue to fail. But I'm just saying, you know, Brian, that people are frustrated because they feel they can't make a difference. And yet you're saying, you know, the very fabric of democracy is at stake here. We have to involve yeah. ourselves. On and they can make a difference if enough of them get out and do it. So that's the thing you got to try to get okay. through to people, <clears throat> that everyone matters. Okay. And this is what they're trying to take away from us, that everyone doesn't matter. So if we got to resist this business of not mattering, we do matter. Okay. And and in and, and more the more and more people get out to these rallies and take an active participation in the public policy through the election, the better. Well, Mike, it's amazing how fast the time flies when we're having fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been fabulous. Yeah, we're we're already down to the final quarter of the show, and one thing I always like asking people, if if I didn't ask them already, is what is on your mind that you would like to tell people? I mean, there's only a few days left to the election from the time of this broadcast till the 20th. And of course, a lot of people might be listening to this broadcast after the election. And we do have an audience outside the country of Canada as well, who are just looking and wondering what is going to happen here. I always like watching events in other countries because especially in this COVID age, it reflects what's going to happen in your own in one way or the other. Well, yeah, I mean, I can see it. Uh, I mean, a lot of people that are even slightly awake can see the uh, how it's how it's transcending. It usually starts off in uh, Australia uh, yeah. with their ridiculous lockdowns, and then it moves to uh, New Zealand, and then the UK, and then finally ends up in Canada and the United States. Uh, what's interesting about that, though, is uh, all these countries seem to be part of this five, this spooky five eyes organization, um, which I've been trying to investigate. Um, trying to because they they seem to have uh, supranational powers where they can spy on anybody. Uh, That's a new term to me. What did you say? It's super five Su supranational or the five eyes? Yeah, five eyes. The five eyes. Yeah. So if you just do a search for the five eyes organization, you'll hear the uh, you'll hear uh, you know government officials like Freeland or uh, Trudeau or something like that talk about it. It's like a uh, it's a combined spy organization to protect the Commonwealth, apparently, right? The Commonwealth countries. So you're talking about the Anglosphere, basically. Yeah, so those five countries yeah, are okay. part of this organization. And it just, to me, it just, I see this trend where it's going from Australia to New Zealand to the UK mm -hmm. to Canada, and they're all part of the same organization, right? It's, uh... Now, it, of course, Europe is experiencing some of what we're experiencing as well. Yeah, yeah, Europe, uh, Europe is another thing altogether. Um, I, you know, I, I haven't been really following uh, that much European news lately just because of the federal election coming up and stuff. Well, yeah, that's keeping you a little occupied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, a, there's uh, you know, getting back to uh, our campaign and our writing, I mean, there is a, an absolutely tremendous amount of uh, support, and we could see a purple wave coming. I mean, uh, you know, every day I talk to somebody who says, oh, I voted for you. I think yesterday it was like 40 people voted for me. And uh, I mean, uh, friends, family, neighbors, I mean, people are just sick of this stuff. And, uh, you know, and I think they're starting to realize that the government of Canada protects and serves itself. That's what it does. It's three parties, three, four parties uh, that basically all have the same agenda. And they just basically pass the torch every election. 
and and that's how they that's how they they stay in power i mean uh imagine if somebody new got in there and started ruffling some feathers and opening some doors i mean that's what they would be terrified about well they're terrified about it everywhere i mean the establishment creates the electoral rules to keep them in there you 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 surely must be having all kinds of fun with election rules and regulations right yeah the uh yeah and exactly and then you know and and, and as we see the um the punishment is sometimes is most most of the time in the process, so totally, totally. And then they uh, they have this they've created this massive government with so much bureaucracy that the uh, the ordinary individual can't even be able to break through it. I mean, even as a politician, it's hard to even get answers to some of some just basic questions. I mean, they just they wanna they wanna compel and control speech. They want to get into our schools and indoctrinate the children. Um, they want to take away your guns. They want to. Uh, they want to fine you for saying something maybe you said uh, not too long ago. They want to force inject you with an experimental vaccine based on a PCR test with, you know, over a 80, 90% uh, false positive rate. And, uh, you know, we really need to, to dig down into this and look into this data a little closer here because I really think that at this point that they are manipulating Canadians. And I think if People's Party government wins, then, you know, Canadians are actually going to have a representative government that's going to bring their voice to uh, to Ottawa. Well, you never know what happens when the people themselves become corrupted and they themselves are all the little fascists running around and they want the government to be de- democratic and therefore reflect their fascist views. Is, isn't that a big part of what we're up against? Well, it's, it's no surprise considering uh, Freeland, uh, whose grandfather was an actual Nazi, uh, is now the deputy prime minister. I'm sure Trudeau gets lots of great advice uh, from her and uh, how to manipulate the masses uh, using the media and the press. I mean, her, her grandfather was an expert at that in, in the Ukraine when he used to uh, push propaganda about the Jewish mm-hmm. population. Well, it's interesting. What if we end up with a minority government and we're looking at another election, say, two years from now? Although a minority government could last long, you never know. With, say, the PPC being in the controlling seat, that would be an ideal situation too, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it'd be perfectly, it'd, it'd definitely be a great situation. I mean, the other thing is, too, I mean, if Trudeau uh, Trudeau claims that this pandemic is so awful and terrible and, you know, all this stuff is happening and he wants to protect us, he wants to be our savior, why would he even call an election? I mean, that's the first thing that would come to my mind. Why would you even bother calling an election if you say this is the biggest great people are dying? You know, things are bad. Let's call an election. That would be the stupidest thing any prime minister could ever do. So I look at it from two different points of view. He's either calling an election because he wants a majority and uh, that uh, Trudeau, uh, you know, is just showing everybody how self-serving he is, if that's the case. But I don't think Trudeau is going to get a majority, so that's a failure. So I think the other, um, the other thing that's going to happen is uh, Justin Trudeau wants to wipe away a lot of these scandals and uh, pass the torch over to the Conservative Party, to Aaron O'Toole. These guys are all in it together. And uh, Justin Trudeau knows. I mean, he's how many scandals does he has? He's Aga Khan, SNC-Lavalon. Uh, Judy Raybould. Oh yeah, you could. You could just. We've read, talked read about Jerry. so many of them. It's just ridiculous. You know, another reason that he might have called the election now. Robert and I were speculating along these grounds is that, is that he sees the pattern or the the trend that's coming, the trend that you're experiencing in the PPC that people are waking up, and if he waits too long, too many people over. will be awake, and the party's over. Quite literally for him, yeah. right? And th- there is just another. That's just one of many other scenarios. One thing that always bothers me, too, I find this election extremely short in terms of the period it's run. You, you barely get your paperwork done. 
and barely get everything set up and getting people into the mood, you know, and it's already over. And in my experience, it's always been that shorter elections favor the incumbent. Absolutely. Because every week that goes by, they will lose more and the other parties will, will go up in the polls and go up in their odds because people now have more time to consider it. Is that a frustration for anybody in the PPC or, or is, the, is the length of this election suitable or... I would have preferred 60 days, to be honest with you, just yeah. so, you know, just to, you know, to get everything set and running. But this is how they rigged the election in their favor. This is just... And a summer election, too. And a summer to election. everybody busy at this time of year, this, going back to school. This is how they rigged the election. This is just one of the ways they do it. So they knew they were going to call an election. So they, Justin Trudeau was out there buying everybody with their tax dollars, right? Uh, giving away gifts and freebies uh, for the last six months. They've been uh, pushing their brand in the mainstream media, spending, uh, again, billions of dollars pushing themselves and demonizing their opponents. So once they've bought everybody off, they feel like we're in a position, uh, you know, I'm the savior. You know, he thinks he's the savior. <laughs> uh, it's just, it, yeah, it's just another way. So, I mean, that that they just rigged the election, right? And then, of course, they throw a lot of voters off guard because they don't have time or they forget to vote or whatever. But you know what, uh, Bob? I think you're absolutely right. I think that uh, if uh, they waited any longer, this is probably what they were thinking. If we wait any longer, then the PPC is going to get even more support. Do you have any faith in the election process? I, I have faith to a certain degree, but... Uh, <laughs> as long as you can see them, right? <laughs> yeah, as long as I can see everything. I, I do, you know, I, like to, I, I, I want to have faith, let's put it that way. But I think that uh, our election process, we're going to need to... To get in there, and, and we need more oversight, and we need to make sure that our democracy is not being compromised by any particular group or party. And we don't want to see what happened in the United States happening here on any level. And there's already some suspicion of that in the Conservative Party, given what happened to Maxime Bernier. Yeah, he when won he ran uh, for the leadership there. Right? Yeah, he won out of what twelve out of thirteen rounds by big margins, yeah, and, and uh, Andrew Scheer no. just popped up. I think they were using Dominion machines. So. I heard that too, and and that all of the votes got erased before they could yeah, do an and audit. It, and that's the other thing. That's the other thing. It's one thing I'm going to say is that, uh, you know, um, there's got to be transparency here, right? Oh, totally, totally. You can't have a vote and then destroy all the ballots afterwards so nobody can come back and check it. I mean, the only reason why you would destroy the ballots is so nobody can go back and check it. Well, right. And, of course, in that case, it's an internal party situation more than it is a Democratic voting situation, right? Yeah. And so you're dealing with a, a more difficult-to-control circumstances, certainly. But it's looking good for the PPC right now. And I got to say that when I was at your event uh, August 31st and saw people like Pastor Hildebrand and Kristen Nagel and others coming on board to the PPC, let alone, you know, the former premier of Newfoundland, right? Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, um, this is just stunning. Any final words before we go? Yeah, just uh, if you want to check my website out, go to MikeTMcMullen.ca. That's M-I-K-E-T. M-C-M-U-L-L-E-N. Uh, you can find all the information there uh, about uh, about London West and the People's Party of Canada. If you want, shoot me an email. You can subscribe. Uh, you can get a lawn sign. Uh, you can become a volunteer. Uh, we have the greatest uh, bunch of volunteers. The PPC is more than just a party. We're a family. And another good thing to remember is it doesn't stop on September 20th. 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah. When this election is over, win or lose, uh, we're going to uh, basically create our own riding association in London West. And we're going to take all the volunteers and all the skills and everything, all the people that we have. And we're going to start promoting the PPC before any election is even called. Excellent strategy. We hope Canadian voters everywhere will do what's just right in this election. And we trust that our listeners will also do what's just right by joining us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Speaking with my parliamentary hat on, I don't think it'd be a very good idea. On the other hand, with my cabinet hat on, I think perhaps it would be a good idea. <laughs> there again, with my party hat on, I can see there could be arguments on both sides. I see. And which hat are you talking through at the moment? <laughs>